It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Great to be back another time to talk about this wonderful confluence of race and sports. Yeah. As we get to all of our topics, uh, that confluence is a car crash. That's <laughs> what it is. It, LSU, Northwestern, we're coming. Yeah. You thought you were going to get away. Mm-hmm. We were just busy last week. <laughs> uh, but we'll start off with some really good news. That's Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. The NBA has a brand new award. And <clears throat> the fact that this league, first of all, let's understand this league is 74 years old. Yeah. This league is the same age as my mother. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so the National Football League, Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League have considerably more history. And until recently, all of the NBA's history was walking around talking to us for for a grand part of it. Right. And we're starting to really lose. We lost the guys, you know, from the transition in the 40s. We're losing our 50s and 60s guys now. And we're right. going to. That's that's life cycle, right? Got it. I'm glad the NBA is putting these flowers in this man's hands now. The NBA is naming a new social justice award after Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. As much as we want to say GOAT and it's MJ, GOAT and it's Kobe, sorry, everybody. This is the guy. He had an unblockable shot. He still has the record for most points. Six MVPs. I believe also, am I right? Six titles? Yes. Six titles. Yeah, yeah, right? Six, yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) he may not be the name that comes out of everyone's mouth, but he is who he is on top of who he is off the court. Uh, The Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Social Justice Award will recognize, Kirk, a current NBA player for pursuing social justice and upholding the league's values of equality, respect, and inclusion. Each team is set to nominate one player and a selection committee led by Kareem will meet once a year to choose five finalists. The winner gets to designate 100 grand for an organization, the remaining Finalists, 25000 for an organization of their liking. Um, the inaugural winner and finalists, I would imagine, will be named during the postseason. Conference right. finals. I love this. <laughs> I absolutely – why does my league kill it, son? Every time. What? Every time. We don't ever miss it. it it's, it's, it's unique and it's special, and we're blessed to have – the greats still among us, and this was a great job, uh, I'm sure led by Commissioner Adam Silver, to hear what is happening, see what is occurring with teams and players using one of the great icons of this game uh, because this speaks exactly to who, uh, to, to subjects that matter to him. 
as he was coming up in this league uh, and probably really started at UCLA. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's about time. I think the NBA got caught back up to what the NFL has sort of been doing. I won't say fully, it's sort of. And the only reason why I say that is because one of the prestigious NFL awards, it, it's not on the level of what the NBA has just done, but one of the, the, the big awards every single year that's given out is the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in the NFL. And the recipient of that award gets to wear that patch on his jersey for the rest of his career. And it symbolizes just many of what Walter Payton was, uh, the man that who he was, um, everything about him and what he stood for. And guys definitely walk around with that badge of honor. Now, with this, with the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award, I think it deserves the sky hook sort of emblem on a player's jersey. The, these types of awards, and maybe this can go a little bit further, Jax, I think that some representation has to be on the jersey to let people know and are aware. It's one thing to have this award be given to them, but after the award is done, it's okay. We're, we move on. We, this was regular season. Some people don't remember, but how do you keep the conversation going? And it. so here I am maybe giving an idea to the NBA that we put that sky hook emblem of one of the greatest iconic shots of NBA history. We know what that is. Just like we know what the logo is with Jerry West. We know what that is. But now having that logo of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I think now whoever the player may be, and we see that player and we see that emblem, we're like, well, what's that for? Because not everybody's going to understand what this award it's a fairly new award and some people may be turned off but for the people who are just now seeing it or when they finally see it it's going to create that discussion it's going to create hey what's that on his jersey no one else has that well it's because he was the recipient of the cream abdul jabbar award he was the the guy who was definitely helping out only his community he was voted on by his teammates number one to honor the i mean to represent the ball club but now he's representing the nba so I, I I love this because, you know, when this this topic first came up, Jax, when we were thinking about, you know, what we're going to talk about on this program this week, I, I thought it was, this was big because Lou Alcindor is, is, is who a lot of people may know. You know, I'm not too far from Westwood right here near UCLA. And so we knew that name. Well, a certain age. We have, you have to be <laughs> yeah. of a certain age to know <laughs> Lou Alcinder before. Yeah, Abdul. Lou Alcinder. That's what yeah. we, uh, you know, we, we remember that name. Mm -hmm. But very similar to Muhammad Ali, who was once Cassius Clay. Sure. When they changed their name to uh, Cash, from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali, from Lou Alcindor to... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, there, there was backlash and there was also turnoff mm -hmm. from a lot of people. And I wonder, Jax, did that sort of put us in this space right now where we don't mention Kareem's name a lot? Historians of the NBA, they do. But I feel like we know his name doesn't come up as much as it should for the accomplishments that he had, not only in high school, college, the NBA, it just seems at times it's, you know, Kobe, LeBron, my MJ, because those guys were more, more socially accepted now right. than maybe at a time in which 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar stood on top and he made decisions that weren't liked by everybody. And I think sometimes people hold that against him when they really shouldn't. And now we're opening the doors back up. I think this is a good job by the NBA of opening that door back up and saying, he's one of us. And he was on to something way before we got to where we are right now. The NBA legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar visited with uh, CBS this morning recently to discuss the award's significance. I'm definitely a product of uh, the activism that I saw uh, other athletes uh, involved in. Bill Russell comes to mind immediately because, you know, I, I played basketball and I, I followed his career. Uh, Muhammad Ali was a friend of mine and uh, his example helped me early on uh, when I was in high school. Uh, there was someone that I admired and who, who made me proud to be, be a black American. Without somebody providing the leadership, we're not going to have any uh, change. We, we won't be able to realize the necessary changes if people don't get out there and point out the issues and show some leadership. I think this award will enable the various uh, guys on various teams to start thinking about what they can do to help things in their communities. And uh, they can become activists and uh, people who are leaders in their community. For someone to say shut up and dribble, it means that they can't recognize the fact that LeBron has concerns and those concerns will motivate him to do something about it. We all have a right to express our opinions and in our community, in the black community, we have a duty to deal with issues that bother us because there's been a lot of injustice in our country that's been perpetrated against people of color. We're all trying to do the same thing and that uh, we are all human beings who deserve an opportunity to have a great life. And competition enables you to see the commonality of the human experience. It's really cool, man, to be able to be alive, um, to receive such a beautiful honor, but also to talk about how you got to where you are. Right. And you and I talk about this all the time. We've talked about this before the show existed in roundtables, and I'm going to bring it up again. Sure. Do not underestimate. I don't care if you like what we do or you hate what we do. I'm so glad you're here. Correct. Do not underestimate, particularly for brown and black children, mm -hmm. imagery. What you see is what you can believe. For him, it was Bill Russell seeing a black man doing something that he loved, someone he could admire. Someone that made him feel proud to be a black American, even though everyone told you it was shit to be so from the outside. That's super significant. I think we get too far away from the simplicity. I think we get away from it because of the simplicity, but the magnitude can't be denied. Um, listen, this man protested the draft for Vietnam. Right. Um, he called for equality in a time when not many, even young black men who had microphones in front of their face, were even willing to because of the terrorism that black folks had been dealing with and continue to do so. Um, but he also had friendships, too. He had friendships with, with many of our, not just our American leaders, right. our world leaders, but more of the prominent people of color. 
who led this country or who have been influences, activists, leaders, synagogues, pastors, whatever it may be. Like he, that name was so huge in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he changed his name. And a lot of people, to me, looked up to him, but then there were some people who shunned him away. And I always feel like even now, sometimes, like him being shunned away, but yet realizing that he went through something that is is hard to even talk about, hard to even fathom. You know what I mean? And yet now, Jax, we have something like this, and it really makes us revisit where our league has come from as well. Well, I say our league. I mean the NBA. I feel like it's our league too, but you know what I mean. You're there every night. (laughs) You'll be there on Wednesday night. I know that, baby. Oh, you already know. (laughs) (laughs) As we're taping this, we're on, we're just hours ahead of the most important non-playoff game ever played. Yeah. The play in between the Lakers. (laughs) Um, Before we move on from this topic, I think it's really important to let our listeners know something they probably don't. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the greatest basketball player on the planet in 1968. Right. You know what he did not do in 1968? What was that? He didn't go to the Olympics. Mm. He declined to play for Team USA. And he took it back to 1936 on these fools. (laughs) (laughs) Here is a 20-year-old, soon-to-be Muslim. Note this. Yes who said he could not cooperate with an organization, specifically the International Olympic Committee, because Avery Brundridge, the president, was the same guy who refused to let Jewish athletes compete in 1936 because he didn't want to annoy Hitler. A 20-year-old, soon-to-be Muslim, yeah, with a heart wow. full and yeah. open, with a perspective that preceded him by 30 years. Come on, man. Oh, he was ahead of his we, time. We don't do enough <laughs> to let people know what this man did in his time because some of it was uncomfortable. No, I, uh, <laughs> that's... That, that's that's something. That's that's first of all, it's doing your homework. That's understanding again how far the NBA has come from, but it's also to just the life of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That I hope people are still understanding what he has meant to the NBA. And I think moving forward, what I talked about earlier, I think there has to be a way that you honor the person, that recipient, and put that on the jersey. Put that on the jersey. Let people understand what this league once was. And what we're still fighting for and how the backs of some of the players today are African-American. Like like the struggles in which before people would turn off, you can't hide it anymore. And I think the recipient of this world, of this award, is someone, whoever it may be, when they first get this award, when they first give it out now, when they give it out, this is meaningful. This is someone who's also saying that what I'm doing is also bigger than the game, that I'm not only influencing my community, I'm helping others, and I'm also bringing light to something that's a serious issue in our country. And this is all about equality, understanding, 
and and stop and stop separating and stop creating a divide. It's um, amazing when you connect those dots to '68 because that's the very same Olympics that uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos raised their fists famously in that medal ceremony. Yeah, uh, to protest racism and injustice against Black Americans. What are we doing now? Same. What are we doing now? <laughs> the same, same stuff, man. And these cats were jettisoned from the Olympic Village because of it and the Olympic Committee. Here we are 50 years later, and they are willing to do it again if people are out of step with what they want as their imagery. There's, there's this little tiny part of me that goes, I get it. <laughs> you just want to have your billion, 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 billion dollar spectacle and politics and race and religion and sexual orientation. Yeah. This makes it all so uncomfortable when the families sit down around the world to check things out. We're not the same anymore. No. We're not the same. We can take more. We can talk about more. We don't have to have these, these, these cloaks <laughs> thrown over our eyes. We, we, it's, right. it's so unnecessary, and I'm only hopeful that uh, the athletes of today continue to push that envelope. No, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, and I agree that these conversations now, and, and as much as we talked about, you know, it was it was the fists of of of, of, of Carlos, you know what I mean, and, and Tommy that were up in the air, and people were like, "Wait, what? What's going on? What's that about?" You know, around the world. And now you think about when these Olympics do happen this summer in 2021, Jax, we ain't the only country that got stuff going on. Oh, Lord. The only person that people that got problems. Come on. Every, hey, there's a lot of problems going on in this world now. And I think it's just, you know, now we look that you're not going to be able to escape it. Olympics. It's not just everybody going to shut up and just go get a medal. That's, that's not the, that's not the yeah, thing no more. No. Now, people, people coming from some places where things are going on, and a lot of people are looking, obviously, for a little bit of time to, I, I guess, decompress, keep, get their minds off it for a little bit, mm-hmm. to watch these athletes perform. But, man, no matter what, when it's all said and done, they, people got to go back home. Or they still represent countries that have turmoil and issues that still need to be fixed. We'll take a quick break. That's Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. When we come back, uh, we head to college athletics. Oh, the faux amateurism uh, has some some stuff. Listen, in Baton Rouge, they're trying to deal with things. I don't know what the hell is going on in Chicago. Northwestern Athletic Department Dynamics. Uh, They had a new AD for 10 days. And during those 10 days, all hell broke loose. We'll discuss it all when we come back here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. It's Jackson. It's Morrison. So glad you're still with us here on Forward Progress. Uh, I need to say some things, Kirk, like, you know, it's the disclaimer right off the top. Yeah, please. Uh, In the Northwestern Athletic Director search, I knew really well, like family, friends, two candidates. I also know someone who's very prominent who is on the search committee. Okay. And so I'm not putting anybody out 
There'll be no names, but I know a great deal. <laughs> okay. Look Northwestern's. All right, Adam uh, Schefter, you the Wolves of, of, of athletic. Yeah, listen, I might have some Jacks bombs. <laughs> some Jacks bombs. There but we go. <laughs> Northwestern's most recent athletic director resigned last week after 10 days on the job. His name's Mike Polinsky. Uh, uh, Polisky? Polisky. And he stepped back under mounting concerns about his past handling of complaints of racist and sexual policies, sexist policies, uh, in the university's uh, cheer program, to be specific. Let's kind of set the stage. Um, Northwestern's longtime athletic director, and I'm trying to find his name right now, um, is the new AD, and I should say AD, commissioner for the ACC. Right. And his departure, and hopefully I've stumbled across his name when as we go through this, uh, but his departure opened up this this fantastic Big Ten and AD oh, yeah. opportunity, right? It's a nice, yeah, I call nice, little, nice little Ten. job. I call yeah. everything in the Big Ten the ATM machine. They did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they just did. They did it that's best true. with the television network, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. that just is just everybody yeah. eats. Everybody eats uh, with that situation, and that's no disrespect to what the SEC and ACC have been able to do, but with. ESPN's massive mothershipian, uh, this independent channel, I think they do it best. And I'm from the Midwest, so obviously I'm a little biased. But anyway, um, Mr. Uh, Jim Phillips, I think, is you. Jim I Phillips guess. is who I was. Yeah. Perfect mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Um, Poliski uh, was an internal candidate, one of two, I believe. Right. Uh, but there was just stuff there. Uh, there's a, there, I mean, lots, by the way. Um, and I think the feeling inside in, in selecting him among this very diverse panel of candidates, I think they got it down to six and then maybe three and then chose uh, Mr. Poliski. Um, I, I, I can only assume they felt like that they were just going to move forward with the many great things that have been going on um, previous to this opportunity because uh, he was, I believe, the highest ranking male. Uh, I believe the highest ranking female was also considered in that space, but was not selected. But anyway, the point is, Plisky had some baggage yeah. that you don't want to necessarily roll out, you know, as your new hire. I, I'm all about forgiveness and second chances and all this stuff still being adjudicated, but how many people get to be in the final pool of a forward-facing position at a Big Ten institution when there are escalating questions over your handling of accusations of sexual harassment and racism? Like, if that's something you're carrying to the table, that tends to be, we're going to move that resume over here. <laughs> yeah. and we're going to look at all these other candidates. Um, but there's a story about Erica Carter, who was graduating from Northwestern back in 2018 and was one of several cheerleaders to raise accusations, allegations, that she was, uh, that she said were largely ignored by Poliski, um, who was at the time the university's deputy athletic director. Um, he had that job for 10 years and the folks 
in Chicago connected to the university, like current students, um, they weren't having it. Yeah. They, they were not having this swept under the rug. And um, you've had these current and former cheerleaders that have said complaints about inappropriate touching by fans and alumni at events held to garner donations and obviously represent the university um, largely were not handled properly. Yeah. And, uh, and then there was a rule about uh, banning of hair braids, which specifically, yes. obviously, <laughs> single out African-American cheerleaders, both men and women. And that was enforced by the former coach. Um, and, and the stuff was just dismissed in the athletic department. And this was obviously his umbrella, but anyway, um, that, that's a lot. Got, the pressure got to him because <laughs> he did step down. That's a lot. Yeah. That, that is Jax. I mean, come on, man. Like we're, we're looking at, and I think this is the hard part is that for a lot of people who are qualified for this job and ha had this person been either a person of color, there, there's no way that this resume gets through. There, there's no way that someone is going to openly hand this guy a job, right? And this goes back to a lot of the conversations that we have on this program about the bottom line and about having more faces that look like pe different people, having more diversity in your building so that these decisions can be made in the right light. To me, I look at this decision as this was the good old boys network. We see it so many times. Oh, meaning that hey, you know, Jim Phillips goes out the door, and I, I don't. I, he, Jim Phillips may deny. I don't, I don't know this. I'm not saying this to be true, but a lot of times it's well, who was his second in charge? Oh, you know what? Let's just go with him because he keeps the bottom line going. Our athletics department. Look, I, I you know, congrats to Northwestern. I mean, they make dough. They're making money. I mean, their college football team was in the conference championship game versus Ohio State this last year. The basketball team is playing well. Northwestern is a prestigious university when it comes to, uh, obviously, journalism, broadcasting, those things like that. But then also, the sports program has started to make a name for itself. So when you have this surplus, this bottom line, it's that's good. Let's just keep things in the, the same, the status quo. And you say, no, 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 no. You, you just can't do that because the guy below you has some things going on and we cannot be associated with this at our university. So look, oh yeah, we're going to, they hire him and then here comes the storm. See, th this is where everyone who's done their work says, we aren't going to allow this. Give the okay? kids credit. It was led by a the ton, students, right? A ton of credit because yeah. if the kids or the people there didn't have that power, those students didn't have that power, that knowledge of what's going on, this would be a hire swept under the rug and let's just keep on going. But because it's been such an outrage, because it was like, look, you've got me too and black folks, man. You know what I mean? Like you got two. <laughs> let's be real, Jax. <laughs> you better forget the wind in Chicago. <laughs> hey man, you got some folks that's upset. You got different groups that's upset, not just one particular group where you can say, right. well, I can go in and get some counseling. I can, you know, go on a, a program that helped me better educate me. You got, you got some, you got some problems you got to take care of. So I, I think I'm a little 
uh, upset at the university, a little disturbed that you would even hire someone like this. Yeah, the search committee. What, what yeah. are you doing? Like, why? You, why university even hire president, the what are you committee? doing? Trustees, what are you yes. doing? Now, the story that I understand is that there's a really kind of one of those trustees right. that out front, like I can't, I don't even know which one it is, but I'm told it's, it's like this out front character. Yes. It's just says all the right things in uh, public. The doors closed for executive session. And that's oh, yeah. my guy. This is my guy. Yeah. So there's, there's more responsibility yeah. here. Those donors, right? You talk about Come the on. donors. Yeah. Come Come on, on, talk about colleges and athletic. It's what is it? Donors. It's um, I forgot the other term that they use. The, oh, the endowments. Right. Sure. <laughs> you got a lot that's going on. Big money. University. It's a voice in the room. Absolutely. One of the things that was interesting in this story, Kirk, was a uh, a university thesis written by one of the cheerleaders involved in 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 this 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 issue about inappropriateness at events, and this one spoke specifically right. to tailgating. That she and uh, other cheerleaders met with Poliski to voice their concerns about what was happening, um, both the racial. Uh, discrimination from the team rules to what was happening at these tailgating events with these handsy fools. And he responded, according to the thesis, what did you expect as cheerleaders? Are you shitting me? Would you say that to your daughter, Mm -hmm. your sister, your mother? These young people, I think these administrators forget sometimes because they're not always coaching and they're not always connected. And some of them don't even have senior uh, administrative responsibilities over sports. I assume he did. (laughs) But you forget these are other people's children. Correct. Sure, they're 18 to 20, whatever. They're still the most prized possession of the individuals who entrusted that you cared. What did you expect as cheerleaders? Come on now. Now that's, listen, could be hearsay, what have you, but that's what that woman heard. Oh my goodness. At least the university realized its mistake. And I know they probably had a few phone calls coming from the Big Ten Commissioner's Office. For those who don't know, the Big Ten Commissioner is an African-American man, Kevin Warren. Uh, So you have a black man who's the head of the Big Ten Athletic Conference, the head. And I know that his plate became real full real quick with this hiring because of what the students were saying. Because, again, it's about the students. Again, it's about the athletes, student athletes that are there, these programs. And you don't want to have that stain on you. And for, for them to... To because uh, when you when you you know when when a guy resigns, it's basically he's resigning because said you know what I, I don't want to put myself in a situation. I'll just remove myself. That's fine, but it also falls on the university that you messed up. And how are you going to make this thing right? How are you going to fix this? He accused, allegedly accused teammates of fabricating evidence when presented with 16 written counts of harassment. Yeah. Well, there's smoke, there's fire, man. (laughs) Yeah, listen, to the other side of this, uh, Poliski denied these allegations. Correct. um, 
The New York Times did a really good job reporting on this last week. Uh, but through his attorneys, he is um, denying these allegations. There's also a colleague uh, who is the associate athletic director for marketing, Heather uh, Obering, or Obring, um, who is all caught up in, in this litigation that's currently yeah. going on. Uh, man, like you said, th- this is basically the university because th- this guy is who he is, right? And he's done what he's done. Correct. There was an opportunity to do something different. And the university said, oh, yeah, we hear all those sensitivities that are going on in the world as we pay more attention to the trauma exacted on women, the trauma exacted upon black Americans, and we don't care. We're picking our guy. And the people told you, oh, yeah, you, you're going to care. And so, <laughs> oh, you power, don't care. Power to the people once again. <laughs> I mean, th- th- listen, the university president just eight days before the resignation of day two of the hiring defended the promotion. I would not have hired him if he did not meet the highest standard of conduct and character. Oops. That he didn't still have the same ears to those donors who was coming in. Let's be real. Come on, man. <laughs> the donors, the people that come in. I don't know much about athletic administration, but what I do know a lot of the bottom line is appeasing the donors and people who give back to the university. And I don't know this for sure, but I would think Polinsky had a had that pipeline of being around the university for so long that you know the donors, you've shaken the hands, you know the people who give a lot to that to the university. That yeah, sometimes you want to keep that in line with what's been going on for years past under Phillips. Phillips is now gone. You got to do something different. This is what it is. They did that. <laughs> the interim, the interim athletic director is the faculty representative to athletics. Each athletic department around this nation has that individual. Um, so there is a professor of linguistics now yes. running athletics uh, while the <laughs> university searches for a replacement. Um, that's that's interesting. I should note. Listen, uh, Poliski had more than one hundred alumni. Donors, executives, a handful of student athletes send a letter to the board of trustees, like just right before, hours before he announced his resignation, resignation, um, writing that they were confident the legal process would co- completely vindicate Poliski. It may. It may. It right. may. Correct. But what? What do we do? I mean, for the leading, which means okay, stay in your current role until further notice. Right. We're not firing you until the process goes through. But here's what we're not going to do. Is hire you as the well, We're not going to elevate you <laughs> with all of this still pending. Yeah. That's a great Amazing. point. Great point. Amazing yeah. story. Maybe we can't give you the promo yet. We, we'll keep you where yet, but yeah, we're not going to give you that, that That was pretty... Not everybody gets that, right? Right. Yeah. A lot of people get those allegations, and it's night-night. Yeah. We are separating so. ourselves from you. The, and uh, all the best the term that we use in the sports world is mutually parting of ways, <laughs> <laughs> mutually parting of ways in the sports world. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, listen, man, um, LSU has been making news, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Threw, threw a whole bunch of cash at uh, women's basketball coach, uh, mm-hmm. brand new athletic director. Hall of uh, Fame basketball coach now, right? Well, <laughs> Hall of Fame basketball coach. <laughs> Got well, it well uh, Let's see what's happening in uh, Baton Rouge as there needs to be some institutional change. Um, and there will be some at the, at the tip of the spear uh, for LSU athletics. More on that when Forward Progress continues. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Forward Progress continues, and we turn our attention to Louisiana State University, yeah. which uh, we give them kudos and respect for the historical placement um, that we recently were so happy to uh, read about only a, a, not more than a week ago, maybe a little over a week ago now, uh, as the new LSU system president and chancellor is William F. Tate. Um, and he's the first person uh, of color, the first black man, let's nail that down. Yes. Uh, to lead LSU, uh, the first to lead any Southeastern Conference college for that matter. Wow. And the vote was unanimous uh, for him to become the new president. And he's walking into a bunch of you know what. (laughs) And that's, I think, for any new president, right? They're they're walking in uh, to do some different things. Uh, But there is uh, not even a month old, a new lawsuit filed by seven women Mm -hmm. uh, alleges that LSU leadership, um, the school's athletic fundraising arm, and several top administrators conspired to cover up sexual misconduct and dating violence. A 124 page lawsuit uh, claims the university discriminated discriminated against female students and deprived them of their rights. Um, You have some tennis players, uh, some student workers, and uh, some general population leading uh, this claim against the LSU Board of Supervisors, the Tiger Athletic Foundation, the preceding president, um, King Alexander, uh, and athletic department officials, uh, including the former AD, Joe Oliva, executive deputy athletic director, senior associates, tennis coaches. I mean, they're claiming and, and, and accusing the university of prioritizing its reputation and football program over their safety and creating a culture of silence when it comes to reporting Title IX offenses. They're seeking $5 million in damages plus court costs. And it is um, it's a scary situation. And it's not going anywhere. As LSU Chancellor Tate will be responsible for the flagship campuses, academics, the financial dynamics, of course, and administrative matters, which leads us right to the you know what storm he's going to walk into when he takes over in July. Yeah, uh, man, what a thing, right? Like, I wonder, can we can we jump in some of those discussions? Can we imagine his discussions and his negotiating power <laughs> when you're like, yeah, I'll come <laughs> in and and deal with your monthly problem, but that's going it's going to cost you, and you got to give me an extended contract to get through all of this. This is this is serious stuff. This is a complete problem. No, it is. Um, it's it's a big problem. 
because it's repeated behavior. Um, it's also um, a former player, football player, uh, by the name of Darius Geis, is now banned from LSU. From Being the he, ground. From the ground, yes. He's from banned from the grounds. So he can't come around to the football program. It's almost as if he never even went to the university. And I've covered Darius guys. I've done LSU games. I've been to Tiger Stadium. It's one of the, the, the best experiences for me as a broadcaster. If I see LSU on the schedule, I get excited. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll because of the pageantry. Um, just I know the commitment to sports, that the university, the people around there, what a Saturday afternoon, what, what that feels like. But at what cost? Two though, Jacks. And I think that's what I think President Tate wants to come in and say, at what cost is winning? And how do we want to be remembered? And I know some folks don't care. Hey, we just want to win. It's about national titles. It's about us being on top. But let's be honest, like that doesn't mean that we forget about the people who are around. We that I mean we, we let things go by. That don't mean we sweep things under the rug. You still gotta hold people accountable. Like we're oh. not gonna we're not gonna be a university that oh. so caught up in the winning and right. making money that we let things slide. Like no, you can't be that way. To the credit of the the of the administration, um, as this has come forward, I mean the problem is there's a lot of steps before you get to getting sued. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of steps. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but the current interim president, Tom Gallagher. Uh, hired a, a new law firm to investigate just how widespread and how deep the harassment claims went. The findings were so severe, Kurt, that now the politicians are involved. And the problem with that is the state part of LSU, Louisiana State University, the vast majority of their funding comes from the great state of Louisiana, mm. um, which is the purse strings are held by the Louisiana legislature. They've launched hearings and are pursuing laws that would uh, crush a lot of the powers held by LSU administrators. Uh, two employees have been suspended from this, two others forced to change job. The university's law firm for the past 80 years was fired. <laughs> a new system of rules and protocols are in, in place that uh, detail the responsibilities of faculty and administrators who hear of sexual misconduct complaints. What have you all been doing? Institutions have been putting this stuff in place for the last 30 years. Yeah. What in the hell? <laughs> that, that, that's what it is. The, when you're so caught up into winning and doing other things that you forget about the people who are, are, are in the community or the people who make up a lot of things that go along with the university. And to me, I think that's, um, it's upsetting to feel like you have to go out and hire a, a law firm to, uh, to to figure out what is going on within your own university, right? Just allowing people too much power. That's what it is. Yeah. And so I think that's what President Tate's coming in and saying, hey, our overall has to be different. The way that we look, we're looked at has to be different. Look, collegiate athletics, it's a brand. I, I know it is. It's, it's a brand. When I hear LSU, I think of SEC. I think of you're going to get the best of the best Football, basketball, baseball—I mean, they're really—they're a good—they're a good program. And when it comes to sports, yeah. But at some point, you have to hold yourself to a different standard, right? There's a different standard that must be met, that must be set 
by the athletes, by the coaches, by the administration? At what cost are we so caught up in winning that we're doing a disservice to some of our student athletes? That, that's where you have to draw the line. President Tate, who came over as the provost from the University of South Carolina, noted that they were battling sexual harassment scandal similar to LSU's, and he walked into the, in the middle of that a year ago. Um, it should be noted that students at South Carolina wish that he dealt with that more severely, and that mm-hmm. space was criticized by students. Once it's a lawsuit, it gets muddied about what you can say and do because you got to wait for the adjudication to come down um, the avenue. But, um, man, what, what in that position when you weren't overseeing things, when you aren't the one with your hands in the dirt on it, you know, you, you get you tend to stay silent right. when the protests happen and the rants and the Twitter posts. Um, and that's what the lawyers tell you, right? Yeah, just kind of. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> this is not going to be. This is not going to be simple. It's just that the what they end up doing has to be swift and harsh. Correct. As each thing comes to light from the internal investigation and and, and from what's found out in court. I think you have not, not only all those factors, uh, but again, I think to how you even how we even started this. Um. This is the first African-American man to be the president in the Southeastern Conference. Let's just, let's just put, put how historic that is, first of all. This is the president of a university right. down there in the South. <laughs> it's a lot of, lot of different thinking in that part of the country. And so how does President Tate handle that? You know what I mean? Like how, how will he handle the many voices that are down there who some people say, you know, Hey, this this, this I wish it was still 1953. <laughs> it's different. So as much as I applaud him and say congratulations on a on a job that you know we had never seen before, you know, a job in which right. you know, a person of color we we didn't see that. So I first of all I give uh, the people, uh, the, the trustees, everybody who voted on this, congratulations, a, a thank you, and hopefully. Other universities follow suit, possibly, and just have more diversity at the top, right? Just more diversity at the top in making these decisions. LSU's been, uh, like so many Southern universities, uh, wrestling with its racist past. Uh, They have a special committee trying to figure out what to do with a dozen buildings and roads named after Confederates and segregationists uh, that are all over campus. Um, that crack I made about 1953. That's they didn't have a black student on campus till 1953, and it was just one. And by the way, a federal lawsuit had to force them to do it. So uh, they, there's a lot to be handled in that space. We'll keep an eye on all of these stories uh, as we continue down the road. It's been a pleasure being with you once again. For Kirk Morrison and our producer Pernell Brown, I am Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>